This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Greetings, everyone. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast. I'm Sean Kelly, and greetings today from Studio B on Airline Drive, the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. And we're ready to go on a Wednesday, a busy one for us here, as the Pelicans have a home game tonight against the Utah Jazz. And also, I know it's a busy day around the city, and our thoughts and prayers are going out to all of you who have been affected by the storms in the last 24 hours. Seven tornadoes touched down in our area yesterday, and... Um, the, the, the footage that we're seeing and the stories that we're hearing, it is devastating and heartbreaking, and, uh, and we'll be here to help in any way that we can. But uh, first and foremost, you're, uh, you're on our minds as we begin our day today, and I just wanted you all to know that. Uh, with that being said, we hope to uh, make a, a, the day go well for you, just even for uh, you know, 30, 40 minutes that we'll visit today here on the Black and Blue Report. Good conversation is what we're uh, looking forward to, and we've got two good conversations today. Uh, one from David Wesley. It is a Wesley Wednesday, so we've got Pelicans to talk about, and we'll talk more about New Orleans and their game tonight in just a moment. But we'll welcome in for the first time uh, New Orleans' own Michael Smith from ESPN. He and Jamel Hill have uh, launched the new Sports Center at 6, or the 6 as they're calling it, and it's a new fresh take on that franchise. And uh, we'll uh, talk to Michael Smith today about his New Orleans roots and his new assignment at ESPN. It's a rather large stage. Uh, that, uh, as you know, uh, takes place at 5 Central here in our viewing area. Uh, but Michael uh, has uh, had a great career that's now brought him, gosh, into primetime, basically, on ESPN. And uh, so far, so good this week on their first couple of shows. And I'm looking forward to talking to Michael for the first time today learn more about his story. So Michael Smith today and then uh, David Wesley. All right, Pelicans home tonight against the Utah Jazz. Look, I just, I just got done looking at the standings a moment ago. The Pelicans are 20 and 32, and so are two other teams right now. There is becoming a logjam uh, below the eighth seed in the West, and the Pelicans will enter tonight's play three and a half games out of that eighth and final uh, playoff position. Denver holds that spot currently, and the Utah Jazz tonight present a very, very difficult challenge for the Pelicans. Utah, if you haven't noticed, has had a great year, and they're uh, in contention right now for home floor advantage in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. Quinn Snyder brings his team to New Orleans today. It's the first meeting between these two teams this season, uh, and it is the uh, second and final game of this homestand before the Pelicans go back out on the road again uh, to allow uh, New Orleans and the Smoothie King Center to make preparations for next week's All-Star game. So it's a it's a pretty key game tonight. Tyreek Evans right now listed as doubtful, uh, but uh, – uh, Drew Holiday's is certainly um, you know, on some kind of a streak right now, and uh, that combined with Anthony Davis' steady play, uh, we'll see how it goes tonight. We'll talk with uh, David Wesley about that and what happened on Monday against the Suns, a win uh, here as we uh, continue in just a moment. Let's go uh, take a break, and when we come back, we'll start our conversations. First up, uh, Michael Smith from ESPN, New Orleans' own, is yours after this. The New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to win the night with your buds by scoring the Guys Night Out ticket package presented by Coors Light. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four Coors Light beers, plus two collectible pint glasses, all for as low as $50. 
Win the night with the next Guys Night Out on Wednesday, February 8th against the Utah Jazz. Visit pelicans.com to plan your Guys Night Out today. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. What's up, Black and Gold fans? This is Anthony Mackie, Seven Wars Soldier, Drew Brees' disciple. You are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Our conversations uh, this morning on this Wednesday continue with another individual, one of our own here in New Orleans, that continues to represent us and now is going to shine on an even bigger stage. We're pleased to welcome in Michael Smith of ESPN, who now is also the new co-host of ESPN Sports Center at six, or the six, as those in the industry are calling it. Michael, <laughs> welcome back, uh, and congratulations on the new assignment. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's still surreal. We're two days in, and uh, we're just trying to get our feet up under us. But uh, we think we got an opportunity to do something special. So thanks for having me. I appreciate that. So tell me about the first two days. Tell me about what the vision is and how it's manifested itself so far this week. Well, um, the vision for the show is to take it to a place that it's it's kind of been, but not really. Like, you know, Sports Center in the past more than the present, but I think it still holds true today. People watch and tune in to certain editions of Sports Center for the people, for the anchors. They they develop a connection with the anchors, whether that's Patrick and Oberman, whether that's Eisen whether that's Stuart Scott, um, whether it's SVP now, um, you know, whether it's Kerry Champion, uh, the Sports Center AM crew. I mean, like, the show, even though it's a traditional highlight show, it's always been built around uh, and successful when you have, you know, Stan and Neal, another New Orleans guy, Stan Barrett, Stan and Neal overnight. I don't want to leave them out. When you are tuning in and you develop a chemistry with them and a routine with them, you know, you, you, you start, they start to grow on you. You start to get to know them. And you're like, yeah, I really like, I enjoy watching them deliver me my sports news. But um, never has a show, a sports center, been built around two, um, two talking heads, for lack of a better phrase, two former writers, as Jamel and I are. And so the vision for the show is really to take what we used to do on His and Hers, which was discuss today's sports news, in, uh, in our own way, which is which is unique given our chemistry, our relationship, our our history together, our upbringing, so on and so forth. Uh, take those discussions, bring them to the Sports Center, uh, but still at the same time, uh, when necessary and, and and as often as needed, deliver the news that the person getting off from work uh, is expecting to get at six o'clock. So it's it's an opinion-based Sports Center, is what I'm trying to say. It's a long-winded answer. Um, and so far in the first two days, it's been pretty good. I mean, we had a pretty good game to come off of on Monday, so that wasn't hard. Uh, we had Isaiah Thomas from the Celtics in on day one. He was great. Uh, James White joined us from Disney World. So day one was easy. Yesterday we had Marquette King from the Raiders and a lot going on in sports. So the first two days have been have been pretty good, but we just feel like, you know, we haven't quite gotten our bearings yet, if you know what I mean. If we feel like we still feel like rookies all over again, even though we've been here for 10 and 12 years respectively. We feel like rookies, so 
we haven't quite gotten there yet, but the good news is uh, we didn't we didn't uh, wreck the train the first two days. Congratulations on that. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. And feel, feeling like a rookie again can be somewhat invigorating. I understand that. Uh, but, Michael, I, I guess my question is with this kind of a format, look, most folks in our industry certainly are classically trained journalists, mm-hmm. and we have plenty of training and mentoring along those lines. But along the way, nobody tells you how to get your personality out more than you've ever done before or tap into an entertainment side of things. What what has allowed you to do that, and, and, and how do you get better at it? Well, you know, I'll just take the last part, uh, the get better part. The best advice I ever got was getting better at being myself. And, um, you know, I'll take you back to 2009 when this transition really happened for me, you know, from 2004 to 2009, I was an NFL reporter for ESPN. Um, you know, I did a lot of uh, news breaking and, and interviews and, and news gathering and that sort of thing. You know, covered games on the road a lot. And, uh, you know, held my own with the big boys nationally, you know, if I may say so myself. Well, um, some guy, you know, some no-name, you may have heard of him, named Adam Schefter. Uh, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was doing some serious work at NFL Network at the time. And ESPN hired him. And so when they hired Schefter, basically a big free agent uh, that cut into my reps uh, as, as an NFL insider. So I had a choice to make at that time, which was, do I continue grinding away in this role or do I reinvent myself? And I decided the latter. I decided to reinvent myself as a host. And even going back to Loyola, I was never, I was never classically trained in television. I was always a writer. And when I did do television, it was offering my opinion. Period. It was a, to offer my insight, my opinion, my information. That was it. So in terms of anchoring, had never done it. Had never hosted a local show. Had never hosted a broadcast. Had never hosted a show in college. My first show I ever hosted was NFL Live, and that was a disaster. And so um, I forgot where I was going next. You know, as you know, the host can't forget where the show is going. Otherwise, it's not going anywhere. It was just you know I thought oh I could do this. I've been on this show a million times. I've seen Trey Wingo do it. Not that simple. So. But thankfully, they didn't, they didn't give up on me. And, you know, as I started to just fill in on different shows and, and really hone my skills as an anchor and a host, I got more comfortable at it. But more important, I got more comfortable at just being myself. I got more comfortable at laughing at myself. I got more comfortable at not taking myself too seriously. I got more comfortable with, when it came to taking risks. I got more comfortable when it came to handling difficult conversations. I got to be quicker on my feet. I got, it just got to be more natural for me. So it really is just, as they say, becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. And so, you know, I feel like I thrive in live television circumstances now. And so when we started doing the six, there were a lot of people that wondered, well, you know, well, who's going to deliver the news? Who's going who's gonna to be the anchor? Who's going to actually, you know, uh, set the show up? Like, we will. Like, that's what we do. Like, his and hers was a talk show, but we drove the show. We drove the traffic. We got in and out of breaks. We, we, we delivered breaking news. You know, we, we handled all sorts of unforeseen circumstances, whether the lights literally went out on us one show. I mean, you know, so I feel like I've pretty much, you know, experienced, knock on wood, most all there is to experience on live television. So something crazy will happen today just because I said that. But, um, yeah, I, along the way, I just got better at being myself and more comfortable in my own skin. When it comes to your background here in New Orleans, Michael, McDonough 35, Loyola, as you mentioned, interning at the TP. Uh, you know, heck, being the editor of the Maroon, all those things had to lead to a, a key moment. It, you mentioned the reinventing yourself. 
at ESPN, but even prior to that, whether it be going off to Boston or what, what was the touchstone moment or the moment that you thought that this is going to be much bigger than I could ever dream? Hmm. The moment that I thought it would be much bigger than I could ever dream, where I, th- where I thought this is kind of like, hey, I could actually do this, mm-hmm. probably Boston, probably when I went to Boston, um, you know, as an, as an intern, you know, because um, in New Orleans, you know, uh, Lynn Cunningham was in charge of the internship program, and, um, you know, they they always took care of me, as I mentioned off, off air when we talked earlier, they, they always kind of looked after me and... and you know, nurtured me in a way. But when I when I went to Boston, uh, and away from home for the first time, uh, and you know, really didn't didn't have a safety net, didn't have family, didn't have friends, and uh, I, I ended up making friends and that sort of thing. But really, just kind of going to one of the biggest and most uh, most recognized and respected newspapers and sports sections in particular in the country, to be able to hold my own there, you know, in a in a press box with Bob Ryan and Jackie McMullen and you know. Uh, you know, at Foxborough Stadium with with Ron Borges and and that sort of and compete very competitive market. I mean, you're talking about you know the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald in, in terms of the city papers, but you got papers all over the region covering these teams. So when I was able to compete as an intern, I said, you know what, I think this is something that I could actually enjoy doing, and and do it as a career because uh, I was still kind of d- deciding that in college. So I would say when I went and uh, competed on on the level of the Boston Globe uh, is when I really was like, you know what. This might be for me. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Michael. Um, you know, Michael, one thing I've noticed uh, here with some ESPN personalities recently is that they are not afraid to share or talk about their favorite teams. Um, have you been able to do <laughs> yeah. that with regard to whether it be the Saints or the Pelicans or anybody else uh, in your new uh, role at ESPN? Okay, so <laughs> I'm 37, but I'm old school. So, again, when I was coming up, I was, and, and also that was part of when I was a, an intern at the Globe. I never wanted people to be able to point me out and say, there's the intern. So you were never going to catch me wide-eyed when it came to interviewing athletes. You were never going to catch me asking for autographs or anything like that. You were never going to catch me shy about talking to them. And, and I certainly was going to be willing to challenge them if I had to, whether it was in writing or in person. Well, I said that to say, um, I, never had, I don't have a favorite team. I'm neutral. I root for good stories. And yes, I'm ashamed to say on this conversation with you, that includes the Saints. Now, I root for New Orleans. I root for the city. I root for the region. I know what the Saints mean to my family, my friends, that community. So I cried like a baby uh, in, in January or February of 2010, you know, because I was in Miami but not at the game. I cried like a baby because I, 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 the, the kid in me, the fan that's buried deep down inside of me, realized what it meant for the city. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a Saints fan, and I stopped being a Saints fan in January of 1994 when they blew – no, it was 93, excuse me. January 1993 when they blew a 20-3 to halftime lead to the Philadelphia Eagles in the Superdome. Because remember the year before, Michael Haynes, who they later played, the year before Michael Haynes beat them uh, with the Falcons 27-20 in the playoffs. They had gone to Chicago at 90 and lost in the playoffs. And in 87, they got blown out by the Vikings. So it was like, I couldn't take, even though I didn't grow up with the Aints, I didn't grow up with the bag on my head. I enjoyed the Jim Finks, Jim Mora years. I, I, I got the best of the Saints until recently uh, growing up. I couldn't take the heartbreak of those playoff defeats. So I divorced myself from the Saints. 
So long before the Falcons were blowing 25-point leads in the Super Bowl, I was watching a team blow a 17-point lead at home. And I'm like, you know what? I can't do it anymore. I can't take the pain. I was too emotionally invested. So, truth be told, I'm not a Saints fan. But I, I, I enjoy seeing them win. And I, it's safe for the Pelicans. You know, I, I, think, I think the world drew Brees. I follow them, obviously. My brother's a diehard Saints fan. Um, you know, I follow Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. Uh, just all things New Orleans. But in terms of a fan, no. You and I both know actual Saints fans. And I'm not one of them. Yeah, I, there's a there's a there's a cut above all of us. There's, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> um, Michael, the the NBA All Star Game is making a third appearance here in New Orleans next week. Uh, you're bringing uh, the six here to New Orleans, I think, next Friday. What will that be like for you to to bring that show back home and and just to be heck in the city for a couple of days? You know, I never thought about that. I honestly, I never thought about it. it, it I know we're going. And it kind of came up just in the last, you know, couple of weeks or so. I've been also focused on yesterday and today until I never thought about the significance of it. But I guess I'll feel sort of the way I felt. And it's funny, this is twice now. So my, I interned twice at the Boston Globe, summer of 99, summer of 2000. And then in 2001, I went and worked full-time at the Globe once I graduated from Loyola. So that's July of 01. Well, in February of 02, that was the football, that season, that was the Patriots for a Super Bowl. And I was covering the Patriots as the backup beat writer. I wasn't the lead guy, but I was the backup guy. So, like, not even a year out of college, like six months since I, you know, into being at the Globe, I'm back in New Orleans covering the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 36. So it was, it was interesting at that point. I remember saying, wow, like, I'm back home. It's like it came full circle overnight back then. But now to bring the sixth and bring this show, this is the biggest thing in my career, to bring it home. Yeah, you know, I, I swear I hadn't thought about the big picture significance, but it's going to be special, and, and I want to make sure that with all the hustle and bustle that I take a moment to appreciate the symbolism. You know, I, obviously I'm not going to be the show. I mean, the show will be the show. The All-Star Game is the story, and the city's a story. But I need to make sure I appreciate the symbolism personally, um, Let's take a moment to do that while I'm down there. So yeah, it'll be special. It'll it'll really be special to have. Um, you know, I mean, I only left New Orleans 15 years ago, and my parents still live there. You know, I still have a lot of friends there. Um, so yeah, it's it's big. It's it's really it's really a big deal, and I'm gonna make sure I, I recognize that in some form or fashion. How how my career, my life has come full circle. Michael, and I'm glad that it's kind of hit you as we're visiting here, which. It leads me to my next question. When you think about young people in New Orleans right now, especially those who might be interested in getting into whether it be uh, journalism as a writer or as a broadcaster, now as a host as yourself has become, you know, it, it's one of those deals where all we ever hear about in broadcasting is uh, the Syracuse guys, the Northwestern guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just not. It's not. It's not a homegrown industry here in New Orleans. But yet, you're right. You've got yourself. You've got Stan Verrett, and there are others, too, uh, many of whom have come back home uh, to, uh, to work here locally, guys like, you know, the Mackle guys or, or Lee Zurich. Uh, yep. when you, when you would, if you were to get the chance to, to kind of reach out to those here, what would you say? What would you tell them about um, perhaps chasing this particular line of work? Hey, I've talked to a couple of student groups, and, uh, and I'd hope to get the chance to do so just literally uh, when I come home. Um, 
in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I I guess I would say, you know, like a lot of people have opinions about New Orleans. A lot of people have outside opinions about New Orleans. Don't let any first and foremost, don't let anybody tell you what New Orleans can't produce or what you can't be coming out of New Orleans. Um, secondly, you know, the name. It, it, just take a sports analogy. You know, you don't have to go to Miami or Florida State or Ohio State or Notre Dame or Michigan or USC to be a successful player in the NFL. Uh, you don't have to go to Kentucky or Duke uh, or Kansas to be a great NBA player. Likewise, you don't have to go to Northwestern or Syracuse, you know, to have, um, you know, an amazing career in broadcasting. You know, I think, and I think too, the landscape has changed so much now. Where it's not just newspapers, television, and radio. The pipeline is not through solely internships. When I was coming up, you had to get an internship. That was the only way to, to advance. You had to land an internship, nail that internship, and hopefully flip it into a job. Well, now with the internet and social media and, and the digital age that we're in, there's so many opportunities for you to not only hone your skills but get your voice out there. I mean, this show, you know, the six. Four years ago was a podcast, as in Jamel and I started a His and Hers podcast. Now, we were both full-time employees at ESPN, and we certainly benefited from having the ESPN resources behind us. Um, but, you know, never in a million years, we couldn't have devised a five-year plan that would have led our partnership and our brand to hosting the 6 p.m. Eastern Sports Center, 5 Central, as you know. So, um there are, that, that's another avenue. I was talking to a student from Loyola who was up here uh, for the summer, and she started a podcast. You know, so there are just so many avenues and so many options now to where if you can't, if you don't get your dream job, it doesn't mean your dream can't come true. It just may take a a different route and a little more time than you may, you know, have planned. But I mean, there's absolutely no reason why you can't in this day and age become a better writer. That's the way it all starts. The foundation has to be writing. That's the thing I tell every single young journalist. It has, you have to start with writing before you can get to a point. Because a lot of people nowadays, you know, they watch PTI, you know, they watch First Take, you know, they watch these different shows, they watch they watch me, whatever, and they just want to do what we do. Because everybody's got opinions, but not everybody has credibility. And so in order to gain that credibility, you know, we, we have, we, we're reporters. We, we honed our reporting chops. We, we wrote, we broke stories, we made contacts, we gained knowledge. So, you know, that work has to begin with you just getting better at your craft. And I, I recommend writing. It's not the only way, but I just think if you can write, it translates to whether you do radio, whether you do television, and obviously, you know, various platforms when it comes to the written and, what, you know, still, thankfully, the print word, the printed word. It's the foundation, and it's refreshing for you to say that. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, not to mention also when you run promos with Rob Bass, uh, music <laughs> running behind it. So that that helps me uh, a little bit older feel a little more hip these days, Mike. Oh, good, good. That. I'm glad. I'm glad we didn't ruin the song for you. I feel like we kind of did. No, no, no. I'm you know I'm 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 44, uh, just old enough to uh, to uh, I guess uh, appreciate that music, but also old enough now that. I'm sure there were people who heard that and thought, boy, that's a great song, and had no idea where it came from. So it fit. It works. Uh, good job. <laughs> Thank you. Michael, good luck. We'll look forward to seeing you back home next week. 
Oh, thank you so much. And before I go, I'd be remiss if I just didn't, you know, send my thoughts and, and prayers to anybody affected uh, by the weather. Uh, so I was pretty bad. I was in this Bristol, Connecticut bubble when I got home last night. I heard how bad it was. Are you are you and yours okay? Uh, we are doing well, thank you. But as you mentioned, there are many here this morning whose lives have been changed. It's It was a difficult day yesterday, especially uh, in the New Orleans East area. So, uh, yeah, that's where my parents so. live. They, they told me yeah. um, that they got uh, that that some touchdown like five minutes down the road from them. You know, so yeah, I, and I didn't know. Safe. My mom talked to my wife. You know, and obviously, you know, we were affected by Katrina. So, you know, this is reality for us. They, you know, our, our home, my childhood home was destroyed, and my parents evacuated to move with us. Thankfully, my wife and I were in Boston in '05 at the time, and so they moved with us, and they moved to Houston, and now they're back. They rebuilt the house. But, you know, I didn't know. And my mom talked to my, my wife yesterday while I was preparing for the show. So when I got home, my wife told me what happened because, you know, I'm stuck in sports land, la-la land. So, yeah, I just really uh, send all my thoughts and prayers to everybody down there uh, who's affected to just, you know, hang in there. God bless you. Michael, you just showed your true New Orleans roots right there, but the way that you uh, made sure that you took care of your neighbors by speaking of it right there. Well, hopefully I, hopefully I get to do more going forward. So, But thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate uh, really appreciate the conversation and all the kind we words. We wish you all the best. And we'll be watching, Michael, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, no, I hope I see you in particular, not like in general. I mean, <laughs> yeah, let's make sure we uh, we say hi when I, at the All-Star uh, festivities. Sounds good. I'll look forward to it. All Michael right, man. Smith, Thanks so much. ESPN. Nice to talk to you. Thank you, Michael. Take care. Right, bye. Michael Smith, ESPN, the take or the six rather, is now underway this week, and uh, Michael and his co-host Jamel Hill are bringing a fresh new take to the uh, Sports Center franchise, five central for those of us here in the uh, New Orleans area. We'll take a break and be right back. David Wesley here in a Wesley Wednesday in just a moment. Hey, New Orleans! The world's biggest party just got even bigger because NBA All-Star 2017 is coming to the Big Easy. You know about the big game on Sunday, but there's a whole weekend of fun. Starting Friday night, come check out the BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game. Then the D-League All-Star Game on Saturday. Even watch the best athletes in the world get ready at All-Star practice. Tickets start at just $10. Don't miss out. Visit NBATickets.com now. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to Black and Blue Report. As promised, David Wesley on a Wesley Wednesday. I had someone come up to me just the other day and uh, compliment David on how good he's been on Fox Sports New Orleans this season, especially his pregame material, which I totally concur. David Wesley, good news. I love the fact that people are recognizing uh, your efforts this season. Uh, you know what? I, I really appreciate it. I, I love every time a fan tweets or, or comments. Uh, as much as I like, you know, if they have constructive, constructive criticism, 
I'm always trying to get better, trying to figure out ways to, to, to do better. And I, I certainly, from games that I watched early, <laughs> have come quite a bit of ways since, uh, since then. Uh, you're, you're still young and hip, too. I had a younger fan say that uh, they really can identify with you, even though they don't remember <laughs> when you played. Well, well, that's a good thing, too. You know, I, I try to keep things um, – you know, it's, it's hard sometimes. You want to use basketball terminologies and basketball talk, and um, that's easy to do. Sometimes it's a little harder to figure out, all right, let's go back to when I didn't know those terms, and, and I explain it and try to explain it where people um, that don't necessarily keep up with basketball, maybe they're watching a the game, very rarely uh, can still follow. Uh, let's just make sure that we don't talk about uh, how you dress for radio as it backfired on Antonio Daniels uh, with us a week ago. As uh, you Ooh. pointed out to me, it took some ribbing on television for him too. Is that, uh, is that what I understand? Uh, yes. Uh, we had a picture uh, with him uh, in his onesie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, and uh, with the king cake baby. Which, by the way, I, I don't know how many people actually love the way that thing looks, but it is hideous. <laughs> I don't know if that's a bad thing to say. Is that a national treasure or something? Well, they made a bobblehead of it, and I won't take it out of the box. I'm a little frightened to do so. Oh, you got one. I, I haven't got one. Uh, I think there's one sitting on the desk for you. Whose desk? Well, a desk here that has your name oh. on it. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yes, I will I will be happy to forward it to you uh, if you'd like. Otherwise, I can leave it right where it is because, I, I, frankly, I'm a little creeped out. No, I'd like you to bring it. If you, if, you, okay. if, you, if you get your hands on it, I would love to have it. I will bring it. I will bring it. And we can put it right next to the David Wesley bobblehead. Um, I'm not sure I have any of my bobbleheads up. Um, no? you know, I have a collection upstairs of, you know, probably a hundred. So it'll go in that collection. What was your reaction the first time that you saw a bobblehead of yourself, David? Well, of course you're critical. You're saying it doesn't look like me and it probably still doesn't look like me. I don't think I have any big features like a caricature where you could, you know, if I had big hair or, um, you know, something that, that was, you know, that stood out, I think you would say, oh, yeah, that I can see how that resembles me. I, I don't think I have that bald head, you know, my ears stick out, but, you know, they, on the bobblehead, they don't as much. So, um, not, not really. It had my number on it. That's the only thing, only reason you tell it was me. Yeah, yeah. There was a former coworker of mine, uh, David, that took a Band-Aid and placed it on a Jamal Mashburn bobblehead doll once and said, now that's more like Jamal Mashburn. <laughs> was, that, was that a little uh, over yes. the line? By the, by, by the time he got to us, he was often injured and injured at the wrong times. It was very unfortunate because I thought we had a pretty good team and a, a team that could could make some noise in the playoffs, but unfortunately – um, he didn't. He didn't play too many playoff games for us. No, he did not. And I did not think that today, uh, during our Wesley Wednesday visit, that Jamal Mashburn would come up, but it did. Uh, and that's where this yeah. uh, usually winds and twists.
David, the Pelicans started the week off with a win uh, over the Phoenix Suns. Uh, did that feel better after the road trip that you had just seen them play? Well, wins are always so much more fun than, than losing, and they needed to kind of get off the skid. They lost four in a row, and um, even though Phoenix is not, you know, running through the league by any means, it's still good to, to beat the teams you're supposed to be with, the teams you're supposed to beat, and to win at home, uh, always, a, always a good thing. Um, and, uh, and I thought that Anthony and Drew finished the game the way you expect them to finish the game. And everybody else kind of played their part. Everybody did their jobs in that game. Is Drew Holiday playing his best basketball right now? I think you could probably argue his best basketball of his career. At least, you know, if you if you took it down to a you know, ten game stretch or fifteen game stretch, I, I would say it's his best fifteen games. Um, you know, it'd probably go up there with anything that he did, even his All Star year. Uh, he's playing amazing. Uh, everything seems to to be right. Um, he has a few careless turnovers at times. I, I think you know when it's when his when his turnover numbers are high, they're they're unforced errors. They're almost lack of concentration for that split second. So uh, if 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 that's the only knock, and uh, otherwise he's playing extraordinary. Uh, you know, with him and AD the way they're playing, if if they can continue to get some consistency around them, uh, maybe some of these close losses, some of these bad losses, will turn into wins. There's no doubt about that. Uh, David, by the way, if you and I got a dollar for every time we heard either inconsistent or lack of consistency regarding this basketball team, we probably wouldn't have to work the rest of the season. Uh, It is the buzzword around this group, and I don't know how you fix it. Do you have any thoughts on on how they get this thing corrected in that sense? You know, sadly, I I think it would would have to do with, you know, maybe a culture change, more of a – um, you know, uh, uh, more of a demand for excellence, uh, if that if that makes any sense. Um, you know, I, I I think you know I start looking when when you're losing, you start picking things apart, and I start looking at you know simple things, small things that in the course of a game may not make a difference, but as a former player, they stand out. Driving um, <clears throat> to one of the games, it, se- it seemed on the bus like too much was going on. Um, you know, one of the players was watching a college game. No headphones, out loud, just blaring. The phone, somebody's phone rang four times, and it seemed like it was the same phone. It seemed like it was coming from the same area, and they never turned it off. Um, a lot of conversation, a lot of back and forth. Um, even one of the, you know, even somebody up front, same thing, had a game on, was showing it to somebody behind them. It just doesn't seem very focused at times. And when you're talking about consistency, you know, how much are the players, and they're young. I get that. It's a different league, a different time, and, and, and these guys are young. 
how much of that plays into the into getting ready and concentrating on a game, or do you just when the ball goes up, now you're thinking about the game? And I think it starts way before then. And you know, another thing for consistency is is kind of leadership. When your when your leader is 23 years old and he's basically your big voice on the team but he's not really that guy then who's who's around telling these guys no this is the way we do it this is the way it needs to be done the veteran voice the veteran the guy that's been there done that is kind of absent from this team and you know I talked to coach Watson and he says the same thing. You know, I said, you know, if you, if, you, if you had a wish list, what position would you feel? And, and he said, experience. He said, I just don't have guys that have been there and done that. And his leadership is coming from the guys that score for him. And they're young. His older guys, you know, they've, they, they've been around, but, you know, they, they don't have enough of an impact to, to kind of have that voice. And, when your impact players are so young and they haven't been around a veteran who's kind of coached them on, you know, this is the way you should do it. This is how you should approach the game. You should concentrate more. It should be this, that, and the third. You lose some of that when it comes to focus and, and concentration. Therefore, consistency is, is, is not good at times, and I, I think that's where this team is. You're, you're speaking of the Phoenix Suns there, obviously, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, the Phoenix Suns as well as the Pelicans. Yes, yes. Same kind of thing. Coach Watson, though, of the Suns. Yes, yes, Coach Watson of the Suns, yes. Yes. Uh, David Wesley here with us on a Wesley Wednesday. Uh, David, the Pelicans see the Utah Jazz for the first time this season tonight. What are they up against? Well, they're they're up against um, a team that's, that's not going to light you up with a whole lot of possessions. Uh, they're around the bottom of the league when it comes to pace of play. Um, but they defend well. I think they're 28th in pace of play. No, they're actually 30th. 30th in pace of play. So this is the slowest team as far as possession goes in the league. They're going to defend. They're going to defend well. Uh, when you look at their numbers across the board, um, they're first in a, an opponent field goal percentage. They're first in opponent three-point field goal, or 14th in opponent three-point field goal percentage. They don't allow you to shoot a lot of threes. They don't give you a lot of possessions. Um, they're first in opponent assist, opponent re, second in opponent rebound, so, and first in opponent points. They do not allow a lot of possessions. So execution, um and taking care of the basketball are going to be very, very important. Um, they've held the most number of teams under 90 points since, uh, since um, Quinn Snyder took over at 73. The closest to them is San Antonio at 60. And that's uh, the 14-15 season was when uh, Quinn Snyder took over. So they're a methodical, 
defending team. Plus, they have guys um, that can can put the ball in the basket. Uh, speaking of Gordon Hayward, who is, uh, I, I think he's so so good. Um, has a lot of talent. Uh, puts the ball on the floor. Uh, and then, of course, they have one of the hottest three-point shooters in the league in George Hill. I mean, he's uh, he's all of a sudden become this dead-eye dagger. He's making two threes a game, and um, or he's averaging two threes a game. So, uh, you know, he's he's going to spread the floor a little bit for them. Uh, you know, and they just they just have a good group of guys that seem like they're on the same page. They have a winning record on the road as well as at home. Um, so going out on the road doesn't scare them. They're 14 and 10 on the road. So, um, it's just a really good team, well coached and, and it's going to be a tough matchup. Yeah, it sounds like it definitely. And it's almost a team that defies what everybody else in the league is trying to do. I kind of like the counterculture they've, they've put together there. Uh, David, next week is the all-star edition. I know the players wear different uniforms for all-star. Perhaps you'll wear something different for Wesley Wednesday next week as well. Uh, it's probably not. I'll probably be in sweats and a t-shirt and, uh, I'm not even sure we're doing next Wednesday game. I have to check. Uh, For some reason I thought we didn't do the game just before all-star break, but I could be wrong. Yeah. You may, you may not be, but you'll be on Wednesday though. I might be in jeans. (laughs) Oh, even better. Even better. All right. Well, there you go. And, uh, and I appreciate it. Good luck tonight. And, uh, I'll see you on the road. All right. I'll see you in a minute. Yes, sir. David Wesley with us on a Wesley Wednesday. We'll continue and wrap up today's Black and Blue Report after this. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious chunky chicken and sausage gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. 
Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans and host your birthday party, corporate event, or a holiday party in a Pelicans luxury suite. No matter who you're entertaining, let the Pelicans take the hassle out of finding a venue and planning world-class entertainment. Luxury suites are available now for the games throughout the Pelican season, giving you great seats to see the biggest stars in the NBA. For more information and to book your luxury suite night, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. I want to send out congratulations to Pelicans assistant coach Robert Pack here on this Wednesday. Last night, his uh, junior high school basketball jersey was retired at Edna Carr. Uh, Pack is one of our favorites. Uh, Just like Michael Smith, as we talked to earlier, another New Orleans guy has just done so well uh, in our industry. Uh, and so congratulations to Coach Pack. That was a huge honor for him. My hope is that uh, he'll tell us the story on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Uh, we'll effort to make that happen today to share with you tomorrow. And it looks like we're going to uh, visit with uh, newly minted a Pro Football Hall of Famer Morton Anderson uh, later on this week, too. So looking forward to that as well on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Don't forget tonight, Pelicans versus Jazz. 7 o'clock, tip-off at the Smoothie King Center uh, broadcasts both begin on Fox Sports New Orleans and the Pelicans Radio Network at 6.30 uh, with the uh, pregame shows. And uh, we'll look forward to having you along with us. Uh, David Wesley echoes that se- sentiment, and I thank him for his visit today and also thank Michael Smith from ESPN for also being a part of our Wednesday as well. Uh, don't forget to check him out uh, and Jamel Hill Sports Center at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 Central. Uh, that's weekdays now, and he'll be back in town as we talked about next week as a part of uh, all the all-star game broadcasts uh keep that in mind about next week is uh tnt and espn and so many others will be coming down to the city and broadcasting uh over the uh thanks or the thanksgiving the all-star weekend uh beginning on thursday and continuing through sunday uh, let's all be a part of those broadcasts let's allow them to uh, uh put a spotlight on new orleans and, uh, and, and you know how we do it. We, we make it look like a lot of fun, and we look like a community that's engaged and happy to have such a big event. So I think those shows would be very happy for you to be hanging around their sets and uh, holding up signs and uh, cheering and having a great time uh, throughout next week's uh, All-Star Game festivities. We'll see you tomorrow just about the same time because that's your time. This is No Appointment Radio, the Black and Blue Report podcast available after 12 noon Central most weekdays. On, of course, iTunes, TuneIn, the Pelicans and Saints mobile apps, and both the desktop websites, pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. For all involved today, I'm Sean Kelly, and we'll see you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.